Welcome to the Arise Podcast. This is Capuchin Father Richard Owens. And this is Father Eric Banneker. And I'm Gina Christian. Where we explore Catholic life in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and reflect on the Word of God as it speaks to us in our own day. Hi, this is Father Eric Banneker. Our guest today grew up in Western Pennsylvania. He came to Philadelphia to attend Jefferson University Medical School. He received his MD in 2018 and then entered St. Charles Barmeo Seminary in Overbrook. He's finishing his second year of studies there for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Tucker Brown, welcome to Arise, the podcast. Thank you so much, Father Banneker. It's great to be with you. Now, Tucker, I I mentioned your uh, biography a little bit there in the intro. Tell us how you got from Steelers country out here to Philadelphia. How did that uh, happen for you to come here to med school? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a a long story. But yeah, I guess ultimately I had a desire on my heart for a long time in my life to heal, to serve. You know, from ninth grade on, I really, I felt this desire to practice medicine. I ended up studying at at Penn State, studied pre-medicine. And um, yeah, I I was kind of attracted to learning a little bit about city life and uh, experiencing the opportunities present there, you know, having grown up in a very rural area. uh, So Jefferson was definitely very interesting to me being in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's been a much different experience than what I grew up with. You you grew up Catholic? I did, yes. Uh, Very fortunate to be, you know, raised Catholic and, you know, to have uh, two parents really that that cared about me and and my sister and wanted to bring us up in the faith. But at the same time, like like so many uh, young folks today, like I had a a pretty strong like dip in my faith and I I sort of had like a a reversion in, uh, in college. Um, which, you know, was huge for me. I think it um, was really the opportunity for me to like own, own my faith. And it was really sort of at that point that even a, a question about vocation started to, to enter the picture. Were there any specific um, experiences in college or people that really sort of, you know, facilitated that, that reconnection with faith? Absolutely. I mean, it's like really a huge, a huge list. So many, so many people, people inviting me to, to Bible studies, uh, you know, priests, family, friends. Yeah, the list The list really goes on. Probably at the top of the list was my, my dad. Uh, he had his own kind of conversion right before, you know, my sort of stepping fully back in. And uh, he was he was really instrumental in me uh, embracing Catholicism again. Did you go to a uh, public high school? I did, yeah, WCHS in, in Waynesburg, Pennsylvania. Is that uh, where you first uh, got into science? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, w- I was pretty interested at, at an early age. I actually wanted to do something along the lines of, of engineering. I loved building things. But yeah, I became more interested in sort of like the biological sciences in high school. So you arrive here in Philadelphia and uh, you start attending uh, Jefferson. Were you, were you living in the neighborhood there on campus? Uh, the first year I was, yeah. Yeah, the first year I lived basically on campus, uh, you know, 10th and, 10th and Walnut. But after that, I moved into uh, the Catholic Center for Young Adults, which is this young adult community, uh, really focused on, you know, spreading the gospel through, you know, person-to-person uh, interaction, inviting people into the community. So I lived there for my, my last three years of med school. I think um, one of the experiences that people are having right now is um, the sort of the sense of isolation that um, that that lack of community provides. You know, and the internet can kind of replicate it to some degree. But can you tell us the experience of living in that young adult community? What was that like in terms of your own formation and, and growth? It was it was tremendous. Um, I mean, as as you might you know guess or understand, um, a lot of times the medical community can be you know somewhat hostile to faith, and if not hostile, maybe just sort of cold. Uh, so it really felt like almost like going out to battle sometimes, you know, when, when you would go uh, either to class or even you know, into the clinic. And so to be able to come home, you know, to a place where I could just, you know, let my guard down 
talk openly about my my faith and the, the struggles that I had encountered, it was huge. And I really even learned a lot just through conversation with, with the other guys in the house. One of my one of my closer friends was actually, he spent some time with the Dominicans. And, you know, so I just, I learned so much about the faith just through casual conversation with uh, with my friends. You mentioned that a little bit in college, you had the beginnings of an inklings of maybe thinking about a, a, a vocation to the priesthood or religious life. Um, did that sort of come back to the fore while you were in medical school? Well, it, it never really went away. Um, I kind of hoped that it would. So like <laughs> shortly after I really like embrace the faith again in a very small way. I just thought, what if God's calling me to be a priest? And it was terrifying, you know? So I tried to tell myself like, oh, it's just because, you know, like the nice, the nice ladies at church have said a couple things and it's, it wasn't, you know, it's not God talking. It's just people talking. And, uh, I kind of just, you know, hope that it would fade away. But I realized once I got to medical school that the, that desire, uh, was even stronger. And, uh, certainly, at the CCYA, I was able to explore the vocation uh, to a much higher degree than I would have on my own. Did the thought of sort of entering the seminary in the midst of your your ongoing studies in, in medical school did that uh, scare you or, or you know think like oh, what are people going to think? Them oh, doing absolutely, yeah. And I was pleasantly re- uh, surprised with the response of. Um, you know, a lot of my friends and classmates. I was, I was very afraid of that. And I think that's a, a fear a lot of people uh, face when they're discerning a vocation. You know, what are my parents going to think? What are my friends going to think? And I thought, you know, especially people that are sort of science, science-minded and, um, you know, see the good in like practicing medicine, they're, they're going to think like, are you crazy? You know, leaving that behind. Uh, I was shocked. I had maybe out of like hundreds of encounters like that, maybe one slightly negative experience. Everyone else was very, very supportive and very proud of kind of, you know, following this passion and doing something um, that was kind of against the grain. So um, I think, Tucker, one of the things that as, as Catholics, we, uh, we think about uh, the, the beauty of our faith and the fact that it is, it is reasonable, not that we can know divine revelation by reason, but that um, we can use our minds in order to study the world and then make sense of what we're, we're told in divine revelation, right? So uh, obviously um, the, the commandment to love our neighbor is very uh, at the forefront of, of the teachings of Christ. So uh, how you, as, as someone who has a medical degree, how do we uh, as Catholics love our neighbor right now in this period of, of this coronavirus pandemic? That's, that's a great question. And I mean, I think that the number one challenge in doing that is just the great degree of uncertainty that there is. And I think that's something, that's an idea that all of us are being exposed to, to a higher degree than, than usual. You know, we're thinking about things we don't typically think about. We think about the studies that are being done and realize that even those studies don't give you a, a definitive answer. They, they tell you like, okay, this is most likely so on and so forth. So I think it then becomes very challenging uh, to know exactly what to do. At the same time, uh, I think as Catholics, perhaps in particular, we can appreciate that every little thing that we do can be an act of, of love. So when an authority tells us, you know, we should be washing our hands more regularly and for at least 20 seconds, you know, we can see every single time that we wash our hands for at least 20 seconds as a way of, of loving our neighbor. We can see like, okay, when, when we have to wear a mask to go into the, the store, it might feel silly. We might not know if it's actually making a difference or not, but to embrace that small act act as an act of love, I think is, is huge. So I think this has really given us so many opportunities to 
to see those little moments in our day as opportunities to love one another. You mentioned that uh, medical school can be sort of a, a challenging place for people of faith, and I'm sure a lot of ambitious people sort of collected together. But now they're out, you know, sort of deal, you know dealing with this disease. Um, have you heard from anyone? sort of, uh, quote unquote, on the front lines uh, of this in, in the hospitals? What are they experiencing right now? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard from some people. So some of my friends from the Catholic Medical Association that are either residents or young physicians or attendings, I should say, some of them, depending on their specialty, have actually seen like a drastic drop in like what they're able to do or the patients that they're able to see. Um, so a friend of mine, that's a pediatrician, like her practice, they saw, I think, like a 70% drop in the sort of case volume. I guess you would say. Uh, so that's, I think that's pretty universal. So if you're in the hospital, it's it's different. It's a little bit more, it's more intense, you know. And I, I think perhaps one of one of the main challenges in particular to physicians with, with faith is that like that lack of, of contact with the patient, you know, that, that extra barrier that is created by the, the precautions uh, necessary to, to prevent the, the spread of the virus within the hospital. So, so you made this jump from studying to heal people's bodies to you know, the, the seminary where a person goes to discern and study to prepare to sort of be a, a healer of, of souls in a sense. Of course, Christ is the, is the great physician, but he works through, uh, through us and in a particular way through, through uh, those in holy orders. So first of all, I mean, any experiences in your own life, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are uh, either grieving or scared or just kind of anxious in general right now. Any experience in your own life where you've sort of had the similar experiences? Uh, in terms of experiencing this this fear, yeah, what a lot of people are, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, people, yeah, people around me definitely, yeah, expressing, yeah, a sense of anxiety, a sense of a sense of loneliness. I think I've been extremely fortunate through through all of this. So I've been staying at my home parish rectory, and uh, and my pastor is really really wonderful. So you know, we have one another. And I'm very much blessed uh, blessed by that, and you know, a pretty supportive community outside of that as well. But but certainly, it's definitely been taking a toll, taking a toll on people. And that, you know, there's nothing that can really replace that face-to-face and even that, that touch that we experience, mm-hmm. whether it's a hug, you know, holding a hand. You, you don't get that when you're across the screen. Right. What are the big um, differences and any similarities between going to medical school and being at in a seminary, in a Catholic seminary? Yeah, I guess um, one of the main differences, I, I, th- I think in our formation in the seminary is that like, you know, the priests that are responsible for helping us to grow are really focused on us as like a, a whole person. And I, I give Jefferson a lot of credit for, you know, moving in that direction, but it seemed like at the end of the day, what really mattered was the, the test, you know? So like, get a good grade on, on the test and, and that's what it's about. So you sort of shift your priorities around that. As long as I'm doing well with my test scores, things are going well. At the seminary, it's it's different. Obviously, there's an emphasis still on intellectual formation. Um, it's, it's very important for the, the work of the priest, but there's emphasis on the other areas of, of the, the person, of the seminarian. And so trying to balance all that can actually be a challenge, especially when you're used to just sort of really honing in on one main area, trying to treat multiple areas well can be difficult. Uh, a similarity, I would say like the intensity of it. I think both are, are fairly intense because both of them, you know, the, the the stakes are high in both. You know, if you're practicing medicine, it has to do with, with life and death, whether it's like sort of acute, you know, decision making around life and death or, you know, preventing an illness. Like it, it has to do with people's lives. And it's very similar with, with the priesthood. It has to do with, with people's souls. So arguably something even even more important, more profound. So we want to do what we're doing well. So I think there's an intensity that is that is similar. Obviously, 
people, a lot of people think, oh, a person goes to the seminary to learn to be a priest. And I think there's an aspect of that that's very true. But I think there's another aspect where a person goes to discern Mm -hmm. whether or not God is calling them to be a priest. So for a person who's outside of the seminary currently, but maybe thinks, you know, as you did at one point, you know, oh, maybe God wants me to you know, explore this a little bit more. What advice would you give them about how to discern that, how to figure that out? Uh, I think a big, a big thing for me is taking steps. Yeah, because we, we don't take just one giant step from thinking about the priesthood to being ordained. You know, we have to take a bunch of little steps. So I think typically, you know, if we're prayerful and, and thoughtful, uh, we oftentimes know what that one little step that we need to make today is. And so I would encourage people to go ahead and, and, and make that step. And you know, it could be just adding a rhythm of, of daily prayer. You know, if you don't have a rhythm of daily prayer, just saying, okay, I'm gonna go into the chapel or make a space in my room and I'm gonna spend 15 minutes there every day. That might be the step that you need to to make. But whatever that step is, I would encourage folks to have the courage to to do that. Obviously, you, you're finishing your second year, so um, you're sort of moving forward, of course, but uh, still a number of years away but what do you most look forward to about being a priest yeah i think there's there's two things like perhaps the most concrete thing is uh hearing confessions and i think that ties into that desire to heal you know this this radical sense of of healing that that is made possible by confession just wiping away sins through you know through christ's mercy i think it's it's a little bit harder to put it's a little bit less concrete i guess this the second thing but just just being with the people you know getting to know them learning how to help guide them uh, in their in their faith journeys i really look forward to yeah to being planted uh in a parish and being part of that parish community mm-hmm. yeah yeah you you mentioned uh confession uh sort of in many ways it's the along with baptism they're really the two sacraments that that really in a, in a unique way speak of healing and of mm. course the anointing of the sick you know, as we begin to, you know, slowly reopen things here in the archdiocese, I'm sure there are a lot of people that, uh, you know, not because they've missed mass in the past eight weeks, because everyone's missed mass the past mm-hmm. eight weeks and we've been dispensed, but uh, maybe people haven't been to confession in a while. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll, we'll um, you know, take this opportunity to, to return to that sacrament. What, uh, what advice would you have for them or, or what would you say to them about uh, the, the beauty of that sacrament? Be not afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's applicable really in all areas of our life, but, um, yeah, I, I have, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to go uh, to confession with, with frequency. And, but even still, you know, I, I still face that fear, you know, even if it's just been like a week, you know. And I know, like, for me, there, there was a time where I'm not sure how long it had been, five years, ten years since I had made a confession. And there was a lot of fear with that, even just in like the mechanics. How do I do this? You know, what am I supposed to say? And that's, that's very real. Um, but I think there's almost always that element of fear, but just, you know, trusting in the Lord uh, it's really about it's really about mercy, and every time that I've gone to confession, I've always ended up encountering that mercy, even if there was a lot of fear beforehand. So obviously, we're going to be you know uh, slowly beginning the process of opening our door. Of course, our doors have, have been open the whole time for for private prayer, but as we begin to um, you know open up for for public liturgies, what would you say um, you know precautions that individuals can take? in order to feel like they can go to, to Mass in a, in a safe way? I would say the big thing is just, you know, pay attention to what our authorities are, are saying. I, I was listening to a podcast recently, and they um, sort of pointed out our tendency to sort of be all or nothing, you know? So, like, right now, we're sort of, we're still kind of holding on to, like, let's do everything we can. And as we, you know, safely 
start to pull some things back, start to do some more things. I think there can be the tendency to be like, okay, like we're, we're done now. So now we can just do, we can do everything. Um, and obviously it depends on a person's temperament. Maybe someone else would be more, more cautious, but just keeping our ear to the ground and listening, okay, what, what are we supposed to be doing and trying to be out of love, obedient to what the most legitimate authorities are, are saying that we should do. Final question, Tucker. Um, it seems, you know, if, throughout the scriptures, um, the Lord clearly seems to work in challenging times. In some ways, he seems to uh, work more intensely, or at least it appears to be that way, through challenging and difficult times in the history of the church, in the history of the world. What are some seeds of hope, some signs of hope that you're seeing even now amidst these these challenging days of the pandemic? Absolutely. Uh, one thing, I, I think people are asking the question, like, what is essential? You know, sometimes in like a joking way when, you know, some things that don't seem essential are deemed essential and, and vice versa. But I, th- I think people are kind of asking that question in a deeper way, like what really matters? You know, what's what's worth it? And uh, so I, I think people, uh, including myself, will be sort of more intentional about how they about how they live, how they work. And I hope that there'll be a greater emphasis on on relationships. You know, we'll mm-hmm. take more time uh, to be with one another and make a priority uh, for that and uh, realize that things that we didn't think could wait before can actually wait in order to uh, spend time with a friend or a loved one. Well, uh, relationship with, with God and with others, that's, uh, that's a great way, I think, to, to end it. So Tucker Brown, MD, seminarian for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Keep up, keep, persevere, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to uh, having you as, as one of our priests in a few years. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to the Arise podcast with Capuchin Father Richard Owens and Father Eric Banneker. I'm Gina Christian, and for more resources and information on the Arise project, visit archphila.org forward slash arise. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Our engineers are Jocelyn Martinez and Gina Christian. Music by Johnny Markin, taken from the Instrumental Acoustic Hymns Project, owned by Essential Christian under the imprint Elevation, with an arrangement copyrighted by Music Services. For more information on the Arise Project, visit archphila.org forward slash arise.